Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, the podcast that helps you get to your finish line. Whether it's at a race or an event, every day in life, we've got to find that doggone finish line. And I have guests on that help you do that with their inspirational stories of what they've overcome to be able to find their very own finish line. But I want to talk to you first quickly about Pillar Performance, Triple Magnesium Powder. This I was introduced to this back at Ironman New Zealand in December. They said, Mike, it'll help you recover better. It'll help you sleep better. Well, I was a little bit of a skeptic. I didn't take it till I got home, about 30 to 40 minutes before I go to sleep. And I have never slept so soundly, I think, in my entire life. This product is amazing. Plus, if you sleep better, longer, better recovery. So this is to be used before and after your sessions, not during your workouts, pillar performance. You can go to thefeed.com, type in my code, M-I-K-E-23, and receive 15% off. It's now available in the United States. It's out of Australia, and it's a product I wholly recommend. You got to try it. And my life, my wife loves it too. She tried it, and she's sleeping better than ever. So pillar performance on thefeed.com. My guest today is someone that I have been close to over the years. I met him at St. George. We were out to dinner one night. I met he and his wife. And, you know, it's funny when you come across people in life, you you kind of get right away who they are. I've just always had that knack to be able to pick someone out and go, you know, this is a good person. His name is Bob Gitsum. He's out of Folsom, California. He's 51 years old. He's got a story of overcoming a tragedy in his life, uh, and keeps getting to those finish lines. Bob, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, Mike. How about yourself? It's good. It's good to see you. And everybody, if you've seen Bob out on the race course, I'm sure you didn't miss him. We're talking six foot six, 265, 270 pounds, former tight end, Portland State football team turned triathlete. That doesn't happen very often. And Bob, I always ask my guests right away, what kind of workout did you get in today, buddy? Oh, man, putting me on the spot here. I did <laughs> not work out yet. It's actually a rest day. So um, I, I, always, <laughs> I, I always love doing that because I love catching somebody that didn't get a workout in yet. Yeah, what do you mean a rest I mean, day? Like, mean you don't day. have rest days. You're training for an Ironman. I know. I'll probably go swim later, especially after this, after talking to you. I'm going to have to go do something. So I'll go get a swim in. So, Bob, you had a goal of becoming a legacy athlete. Your goal was to do that in five years where you get 12 Ironmans done and then you can go to Kona. But that goal of yours was way late a little bit or a little lot, uh, in your words, I know. Why don't you take us through that harrowing experience of being in an accident with your daughter in the car and how that set you back. And, and uh, why don't you go through that night with us, if you would? Well, we just got, uh, my daughter just got done playing in a uh, volleyball tournament down in Santa Cruz. And uh, after the tournament, we had some friends in Santa Cruz. So we went over to their house, had some dinner, um, hung out with them. The kids played with their dogs. And, uh, you know, about uh, eight o'clock 
at night we get on the road to head home. We're about three hours away from Santa Cruz up in, up in Folsom. So we're driving home and, um, we're just, just totally cruising along. And I kind of just glanced over to my left and I see two headlights coming right at me. And it was, you know, a second, I saw two lights and that was it, you know, no pun intended, but lights were out. Like I was, I was done. Um, and we got hit head on by a, um, reckless driver. They weren't drunk. They weren't on drugs. Um, he, we were on a two lane highway with a, you know, a suicide lane in the middle and he was passing illegally in that lane and lost control and hit us head on. We were probably going 70. Who knows how fast he was going? He was mm. going probably 80, 85. Um, his motor flew out of his car and the, the police said it was 90 feet away from impact. So it was a, a pretty vicious, um, pretty vicious impact. Um, so yeah, that's all I remember until about three or four months later that in the impact came back. I remember being hit. I remember going, Holy crap. What was that? You know, I, I didn't know if I blew up tired and know what happened, but I, I do remember looking back at, I had my daughter and her best friend sitting in the back seat of my, um, F-150 and I looked at her and I remember saying something stupid, but you know, I was not silly. I just said, Hey, I think we just got in an accident. Are you guys okay? And in speaking to her, you know, when we, you know, got to be able to talk, she said, yeah, you just turned around and you mumbled something and there was blood coming all out of your face. And then you just turned around and your head went down on, you know, the steering wheel with the airbag and all that. And she's like, you know, we thought you died. So obviously pretty traumatic for them. And, um, then I, I woke up, you know, the next day in the hospital, just like what happened. It was, it was absolute madness. How old was your daughter and her friend at that time? Uh, they were both 14. So it's been a little over four years now. Yeah. So they're both 18, but yeah, they were both 14 years old. Uh, my daughter broke her collarbone, had some, um, strained ligaments in her neck. So she was in the hospital for three days. And then her best friend, Addie, who was sitting directly behind me, walked away with just bumps and bruises. Like, thankfully, just that that was it. I, I always tell them, I go, hey, I took that impact <laughs> for all you guys, which, you know, any good dad would do. Right. So, um, yeah, it's just a little joke, you know, in, in between us. Well, it's almost like the Lord put you on the earth at six foot six, 270, Bob. And you protected two loving girls in your back seat. I, I, that yeah. just hit me. It, it's, it's, uh, you did. You took the hit, Mister Tight End, like you yeah, used to take hits. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I had to protect them definitely with my life. Um, but a little funny story about um, that that car ride home before before the accident happened. The girls are in the back. See, I had to get gas, and and you know, so we pull over, we get some gas, and the girls are going, "Let us get some sunflower seeds. Let us get some sunflower seeds." And I'm like, "You guys are nuts. <laughs> you know, they're going to be everywhere in the car. You know, so." I caved, you know, I made a deal with them. I said, Hey, all right, I'm going to get you guys sunflower seeds, but tomorrow you're cleaning the inside of my car. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was our deal. So, um, I got to talk, I got to speak with my daughter the next day, um, later on after the accident. And when I woke up, like I had, you know, there was, 
I was I had 50 stitches or staples going down my my stomach. So I'm in a little bit of pain and we're talking to each other, you know, and, and my daughter, I swear to you, could be one of the funniest people in the world. And she goes, she's like, Dad, I, ha- I have some bad news to tell you. And I'm, I'm like, holy crap, dude, we almost just died. Like, what kind of bad news can you have? Yeah, what could be bad? Yeah. And she goes, Dad, there's sunflower seeds all over the car. <laughs> so I'm in the house. And I'm like, Mia, just don't make me laugh. I couldn't, yeah, it hurt so bad, but it was such a good laugh just to see that she kept her sense of humor through this um, ordeal as well. So you are in that training mode. You're in that mode of being turned on by the sport of triathlon. And all of a sudden you find yourself, when you come to, in in bed with, you know, a, a halo around your ankle, you've got your heel bone, you've got intestines that they had to operate on. Was there a point where right after that accident, you were pretty low? Oh, to say the least, Mike. So when I woke up um, in that in that hospital bed and you have your, um, you know, like dresser with the TV and on it and in front of you, and I woke up from obviously being knocked out and I still to this day I need to find out who did it but somebody put an M dot on my dresser just a black and white photo of an M dot and I I swear that was the first thing I saw when I woke up and I was like I didn't think anything of it I was just drugged at the time and through recovery just dude I stared at that M dot every day and um it really Help me get through just just mentally knowing that, hey, I made this decision. I'm going to get back. I'm going to still get my goal to get, make it to Kona and blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, it was rough waking up in that hospital. What were the doctors telling you? Even though the MDOT was your inspiration, were they telling you you're going to be able to, hey, get back out there and swim, bike and run and, and especially run? Yeah, they said swimming would be fine. Biking might be a challenge. And they told me you'll never run again which I wasn't that sad to hear because I hate running. <laughs> so I had, to, I, had to look at the, I had to look at the bright side, like, oh, right on. I have an excuse. I really oh, don't I, yeah. anymore. I so, see. I see. You finally get, you finally get it signed off on that you don't yeah, have to yeah, run it, and you run. accept it. I have it. an excuse. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, they told me I would never run again. And they kind of, you know, just looked at you with, okay, good. You're, it's good to have lofty goals, you know, so we're glad to see you had that attitude. But, you know, like, I think most anybody ever put in that position and they, and they tell you, no, you're like, screw you. Like, I'll get back. So, yeah, it was a long, definite long road back, but we got back. How, how long was that road? How long before you got yourself put back together and, and got out there to be able to do anything at all? So it was February 24th was the accident, and I started to be able to walk, per se, with a boot at the end of August. So Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, it was a, just, I just laid them, I just laid in the bed, just laid in the bed. I was in the hospital for 40 days. When I came home, they had to set up a hospital bed downstairs because we have a two-story house, so I had to sleep in our living room for, you know, months. Um, yeah, it was rough. I was, uh, when I was in the hospital, the first, I don't know, it was about a week after I got in there. So they had to reattach all my intestines, put me all back together because in the impact of the crash, they, they just detached. 
So emergency surgery, put those things back together. Uh, it was four or five days later, you know, just a nurse making the rounds. How do you feel? And I just said, I feel like my stomach's going to explode. So they rush me in, give me a CT scan, come back, say, hey, you're going, you got to go into emergency surgery. And I'm doped up and I've already had, you know, four or five surgeries in those four or five days. Right. Like whatever, one more surgery. And I text my wife, it was like 11 p.m. on a Thursday night. I said, hey, babe, I'm going into surgery. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I woke up the following Tuesday. Mm. So what happened was the um, intestines started to leak again. So sepsis set in, hence making my stomach want to explode. So they had to reopen me up, put that all back together, clean me out. And they said I was so infected, they had to keep me in a coma because I had to heal from the inside out. They couldn't close those wounds up. So <laughs> I woke up Tuesday morning and they tell me this and I have a tube down my throat. I can't talk. And I tell the nurse, I'm like, get me something to write with. I got to I gotta tell you something. And <laughs> it's so stupid. I write down, call my wife because... I told her I was going to call her Friday morning. So in my head, it was like I went drinking out drinking with the boys and forgot to call and didn't come <laughs> home. So I thought I was going to get in trouble because I didn't call my wife on Friday. And then I was like, oh, at least I have a good excuse. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you had your stomach opened up. That was your yeah. excuse. The nurse, the nurse calls my wife and she's like, why did you want them to call me? Did you not think I knew what was going on? And I'm like, yeah. Just me being, you know, in La La Land from all the wonderful pain meds they gave me. Well, Bob, you you get home and you've got that hospital bed in your living room, laying there for months. Uh, you, you know, when you go through something like that, you somehow have to help yourself stay strong mentally. And I've talked to so many people that have done different things to keep that mental strength. So you just don't go into that hole that you can't get out of because you're in such a tough way. What were some of the things that you did on the mental side to keep your strength, you know, above your shoulders, keep that strength for you so you could keep moving forward? Yeah, that, that was, that was rough. That was definitely a challenge for sure. But, um, already doing an Ironman, you know, I think I did five of them before that accident, um, definitely increases your mental fortitude, right? Like you mm -hmm. have to be strong mentally to get through one of those races. So, I just keep kept thinking positive thoughts, you know, just, hey, it could always be worse, you know, find the silver lining. Um, I think I watched every YouTube video on Ironman recaps and races and all that. And, you know, that really kept me going. Um, I wasn't down, down too much when I was in the hospital. I just wouldn't let myself, you know, get to that place. And there was one day I really was, man. I, I really, really was down for whatever reason. And I remember my phone ringing and it was a San Diego area code. And I'm like, oh, it's probably my, my, you know, sister or brother-in-law. And they must've got a new phone number. I'm thinking in my head. And it was you, <laughs> you called me. Someone reached out to you and said, Hey, you know, my buddy got in a car accident, blah, blah, blah. So you called me up and you're like, Hey, Bob. I'm like, yeah, you're all, Hey, it's me, Mike. And I was like, what? And that really lifted me up. So that helped me immensely, man. And I'll, I'll um, give you a nice plug on your book because um, my friend went down and did Oceanside and he came and got a book from you and you signed it and gave me a nice well-wishing. You know, he probably had no idea it was for this, Bob, but, um, you know, 
got got the book and I'm sitting in the hospital, man. And I'm, you know, just I, I read that book in like a day and a half. And I just remember thinking, holy crap, like, sure, I'm going through something, but I'm not going through anywhere near what those people in your book went through. So your book really helped me, man, get through get through those low times. No doubt about it. Well, it may have been my book, but it was the stories that were within of other people's lives that uh, I had the opportunity to share. So I'm glad that that helped, Bob. So August, you you walk. <laughs> That's like the big thing. You get out there and walk. Then all of a sudden, when did you start figuring out, hey, I, I can get back to this training thing and try to get back on track for my legacy? Yeah, I was uh, that I was training the whole time, like. The next day when I saw that MDOT, that's when my training started, whatever yeah. it was, moving anywhere, working on my mind, um, doing all that stuff. I remember sitting on my, I'd sneak out into my little pain cave in the garage, and I remember hopping on my bike with a boot on, I had a colostomy bag, I had a drain tube coming out, and I'm doing, I'm just pedaling with one foot <laughs> because I couldn't use my right foot, so I just put it on the back of the trainer and i just move it slowly to to you know get a little sweat in so i yeah i i started training you know the the next day mm -hmm. and then i really got to go out and um i'll never forget the day it was september 17th i went out on a bike ride finally um a little nervous um i'll bet i just i got going and I went through every wave of emotion on that bike ride. And I wish I could have bottled that energy I had. It was one from just being grateful to be back on a bike and happy and going. And then I'd get mad, I'd get angry and I'd pedal my rear end off until I couldn't go anymore. And tears started coming out and it was, it was a, it was a powerful bike ride for me, just being able to hop on again and go. And then after that, I was just, it was on. Like, I wasn't going to be stopped to, to get back to doing a race and just train and train and train. And then I was supposed to, I signed up for Oceanside to be my comeback race. And then what happens in 2020? Yeah. COVID, right? So every race gets canceled. They're pushed back. So I signed up for Every time Iron Man said, hey, this race is probably going to happen, I'd sign up for it. Lubbock, Texas is going to have their race. I signed up for it. I don't even know where Lubbock, I know nothing about it. I just, I'm going to go do one. And they all got, they all got canceled until um, 2020. It was uh, Florida. Florida. Yeah, Florida. So that was my big uh, Iron Man return. And I went to Cozumel before that to do a 70.3 just to get the, you know, get the bugs out, get, get my fix. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Curad Performance Series, the official medical supplier of Ironman. Curad's far infrared kinesiology tape encourages faster recovery and enhanced performance. Don't let the aches and pains of everyday training and racing slow you down. Make sure you check out all the Curad products at Amazon.com, at Walmart, and Ironman.com. And let Kirad help you find your finish line. I just thought about the correlation between that ride you had, Bob, with the wave of emotions going through probably every mile. And you gave me goosebumps thinking about that, uh, talking about that. 
And then the correlation between that ride and Ironman Florida in 2020 when there was, you know, just just us workers at the finish line greeting you when you came on in. It's almost like it was apropos because you, you did that ride and you had those emotions and then you did that race and, you know, there wasn't a lot of people there cheering. But but you were okay with that, weren't you? A hundred percent, Mike. I had a I had a blast. It was great. Don't get me wrong. I wish yeah. the the you know all the fans were there and you get the energy from them. But I I didn't let it stop my celebration. I just put imaginary people up in those stands and I high fived a few of them on the way down. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I was cracking myself up. So it's all about having a good time out there. So I wasn't gonna you know let the non-fan covid finish line deter my um joy it was uh it was a special special finish line for sure you said the accident bob has made you stronger in what way has it made you stronger Uh, well physically for sure because i've been working my ass off to get back but just mentally mike it just it's totally changed me i mean i was a pretty laid-back guy as it was before but now it's Nothing gets under my skin. I really don't get angry. Not that I got angry a ton before, but it's like there's so much, you know, so many bigger things in life than getting mad at the stupid little stuff. So um, in a way, you know, it's a total blessing in disguise going through that accident. A lot of good and great things have come out of it, you know, for sure. The, the bond, I have a daughter like you do, and the bond between a father and daughter is very always oh, a very special thing with a lot of strength. Uh, but you shared something with your daughter that people, you know, we would never wish that on someone. Has that accident that you two shared created a stronger bond between you and your daughter? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it definitely has. In it's what just, way? We just, it's, it, you know, it's super hard to explain in, in what way it's just, uh, we've been through some scary stuff together and we made it through we're stronger for it um we have a you know a strong relationship and like i said she's one of the funniest people (laughs) i've ever met i wouldn't be surprised she's gonna be a stand-up comedian someday she's so funny so um yeah it's uh it's definitely made us closer so after the accident, you get back to that Ironman Florida, and then you start racing again, doing 70.3s, and then that journey to get your legacy slot. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you keep that balance between the training and your family life and your work life, Bob? Yeah, it was tough. You know, it was tough. To, when I first got into it, it was, you know, we had all three kids here. So now two, are, um, two of them live in Hawaii, and we just have my daughter here now. Um, my wife has definitely been a, um, saint and, um, supporting me do this, you know, a lot, I don't want to say allowing, but, you know, mm-hmm. not, not letting me do it or being against it. So, um, try, you know, just try to take care of her, make time for her, um, make family time. Um, don't train as hard. <laughs> not that I'm, <laughs> you know, Mr. Train all the time, but, I, you know, I've done 14 of these things, so I know what it takes to get through them. So to my detriment, probably I do just enough work or training to get to the race to finish them because there's, you know, no PRs in this guy anymore. Yeah. You are one of the largest, strongest looking men out there at 6'6". 
270 pounds. Do, do the athletes, when they uh, ride by you or you ride by them or running, vice versa, they say anything to you? Uh, yeah, I get a lot of, hey, great work, big fella. Or, you know, when you see another guy as big as you, we just have that instant bond. Like, oh, you're dumb, too. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you're doing dumb. this, you know? So, um, yeah, people say things all the time when I'm out there. I don't pass anybody on the run. And if I do, they are having a really, really bad day, for <laughs> sure. I don't even have to ask. Um, but the bike, yeah, they uh, love the draft if they can, <laughs> because why not? Um, but that's my only that's my only decent discipline is the bike. So I, I love the bike. Yeah, and I think the bike loves you, especially after that ride, the ride with the wave of emotions ride. That's, that's yeah. still a powerful, yeah, powerful. Uh, you get frustrated at all with? I, I know you're. Now in the mode of training for Ironman Coeur d'Alene in June, uh, doing it with all the BCC folks and, and others. Uh, that'll be a great event for you all. But do you get frustrated at all, at all with your training and how it's going? Every once in a while, but it lasts for about five seconds because I just <laughs> refer back to you could be somewhere else, dude. So quit being a sissy and just go forward. So that gets me back on track uh, very quickly. So yeah, I'm lazy. Like I don't like doing my workouts every day, but it's just a part of life now. I get up and I can I can go out and work out. So um, there's no reason for me to miss it, and I won't I won't stop. Like what about Bob? What about any residual pain, especially with your, you know, breaking the heel bone is probably the worst bone you can break in your body. And and uh, do you have any? residual or pain when you're working out training now with it yeah it's it's in pain nonstop, mike there's never a moment of the day where i'm pain-free especially in my um ankle foot heel area that it's just uh, the only way i can explain it to people is if you've ever snow skied and you've wore ski boots that's what it feels like when i walk with pain in the joint so there's a joint down there called the subtalar joint where there's a bunch of cartilage in but from the impact of the of the car accident, you know, your subtalar joints and a little joint, the impact, it just squirts it all out. So, um, my doctor said it's inevitable that you're going to have to get that joint fused, which mm. will relieve you of your pain, but you'll lose your lateral movement. So you won't be able to walk on uneven services like sand or rocks or, um, that stuff. So, yeah, the pain is always there. So when I'm running, when I'm, we call it a bobble because it's a hobble and my name is Bob, so it's a bobble. So when I go out on a bobble, I can bobble for about five to seven miles before the pain in the ankle gets too uncomfortable and my foot swells up. So I have to be strategic when I run my five or seven miles, depending on the day, um, during the marathon portion of the Iron Man. I never heard that. The bobble run by Big bobble. Bob himself. Yes. Well, yeah. What uh, do you choose courses where you don't have any hilly runs, or how do you do that? That's been my goal. I'm so dumb. I'm just so dumb. <laughs> so when the BCC guys hit me up, going, "I'm going to do it. We're doing Coeur d'Alene. You need to come do it with us." And I respectfully declined two or three times, and then. Eddie put his little video out for uh, yeah. the introduction to it. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. I'm going to have to do this. So I texted Eddie. He said, hey, man, the invite's still there. He's like, yes, come do it. So I sign up. And then 
Coeur d'Alene's another hilly course. So to answer your question, yes, I try to avoid hilly courses at all costs. But since these donkeys got me to freaking sign up for Coeur d'Alene, I'm doing another hilly course. <laughs> I yeah. love that. So I'm just too freaking heavy to pedal my big butt up hills. It kills me. Lake Placid, I had to take a nap on the freaking bike. Those hills killed me so much. I did. I pulled over, went under a medical aid tent, said, hey, you guys, can I just lay down? I closed my eyes for like 10 minutes, got back up and took off, and I was good to go. Hey, so whatever you got to do. Yeah, hills kill me. I'm whatever allergic. you got to do. Definitely allergic to them. Bob, what, what in your life, what do you read or listen to that inspires you? You, you know, I always am a big advocate. Yeah, we can... We can find inspiration in in other things in our lives, whether it's reading or watching something. Is there anything that inspires you? I um I don't read too much, like I really don't, and that's probably um, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I just don't think my attention span allows me to read unless I'm super interested. Like I swear, Mike, this sounds terrible, but you're one of maybe four books I've finished in my life. Your book. <laughs> three other ones and they've all been sports related. I just don't read or I'll listen to an audiobook. Like I'm I'm okay listening to an audiobook, but if I read, I just fall asleep. So, um not too many books. A lot of YouTube stuff, you know. I love listening to people's stories. Um they inspire me. A lot of, you know, tra tragic ones when people go through an accident or something. Obviously, I can relate to those stories very well and hearing other people talk about what they go through and what they say. Um, it's, I, I'm glad to hear that people feel the same way about things when they say about accidents, like, Hey, it's one of the, in a weird way, it's one of the best things that could have happened to me. You know, would I change it? You know, I don't know. Cause a lot of good has come out of it, but the pain of going through it and the pain I caused a lot of other people, including my family and my, and my wife, you know, I'd probably say no, but I'm, I'm always that, hey, let's find the positive in the situation, find that silver lining, silver lining per se. So that's that's my attitude about it. They're going back all the way to your college days of playing football. And and then you got turned on with triathlon because of a buddy. Tell us that story. Yeah. So my buddy was like, hey, man, let's go do a half Ironman in Hawaii. And I was like, you're like most people. You're absolutely insane. Like, no way. I'd never, ever do that. Did you and, even know what that was? Um, well, I knew what the Ironman was. I had no idea about the distance. Um, so no, I had to do some research and really got into it. And I looked, I'm like, oh, I can run a half, half Ironman or a half a marathon. No problem. Swimming might be a struggle riding a bike. I'm like, I haven't ridden a bike in 20 years. Like how hard can it be to ride a bike? You know, I could do that. And then it was a lot harder than I thought. So, um, I seriously, it was like a few days before Christmas and I just had a, I call it a hold my beer moment. I put my beer down and said, I'm going to train for this. I'm going to go do it. And, um, I did got a training plan. My buddy let me borrow his bike, um, and just followed a plan as well as I could and showed up in Hawaii scared to death. It was back when they still had like the wave start with our mass start within your, within your wave group. So right. obviously I'm in the age group with, there's always a 500 people in it. So I'm sitting out there going, Holy shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay. I don't That's know right. how to swim very well. I'm going to get my, even I'm a big guy, but I'm going to get swam over. So I just sat in the back and <laughs> took off after everybody else 
made the swim, got up, put my hands up in the air like I won the Olympics. I was like, if I get over that swim, I'm good. I, I'll, I can get through everything else. I was just petrified of the swim. So in that mind, I already won the race. And then just, you know. I love that. After that, I went and watched uh, my same friend was doing Vine Man um, that following year. So I went out and watched them there. And I just remember looking at everybody racing in all different shapes and sizes and missing legs and missing arms. And I'm like, dude, you have zero excuse why you would not be able to do one of these. Look at all these people doing it. So I 100% got inspired going to that race. And that's why I tell people, you know, that are that don't know about Iron Man, a triathlon. I'm just like, hey man, just come to a race and just watch for a little mm-hmm. bit. And I go, if it's anything, come at the last hour. If you want to be up late at night and just watch these people who battled all day cross that finish line is a is a moving um, place to be. I I met a gentleman last year. I think it was at Ironman, Des Moines or Tulsa. And he came up to me and he said, uh, Mike, I did Ironman like 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And I got a friend doing it. Oh, that's great. I saw him after the race and he goes, oh my God, I forgot what I was missing all these years. And he signed up right away for a future race because he was so inspired at what he saw. He actually forgot that world because he was out of it for 15 or 20 years. But, But you're right. It, it's amazing how it, it draws you in. If you go there for the first time and you see what other people are doing and when you look at their body types or who they are and you go, wait a minute, what, what's my excuse? Yeah. And, you have and, yeah. Well, how much did you weigh when you did that? What was your highest weight from football? Uh, I was playing shape was two fifty five, and then oh. through life I got up to two ninety seven. never hit 300, but two ninety seven. <laughs> that's when I said, all right, dude, time to do something. And, um, I'll get down to by quarter lane. I should be about two fifty. Two fifty. So, that's a vision of your former self. Look at yeah, you. For that's sure. Me. For sure. I feel great at that weight, but it's so hard to keep it there. I just like to eat way too much. <laughs> you could put the shoulder pads on at Coeur d'Alene. You still wouldn't <laughs> be overweight. <laughs> so what's, when you go into an Ironman, are you going to any race, Bob? What's your number one goal? My number one goal is just to get to the start line. But after that, it's just to have fun. Like, it's just to keep a smile on my face and have a good time. If I have a good day time-wise in my world these days, great. If I don't and I'm coming in after 16 hours and I get a high five from you or whoever else is out there now, so be it. I don't care. I feel bad because my family has to wait for me for so long. So. That's actually my motivation to get back quicker so they're not out there as long these days. So they don't have to be out there the yeah. 16, oh, yeah. It's a long day. <clears throat> 17 hours. As you know, yeah. I have a question I ask is one of the final questions. It's called tri-table racing, and it comes out of the Baja 1000 racing down in the Baja here in Mexico, and, and uh, friends of mine race it. And afterwards, they get together and they sit around a table and they call it table racing to reminisce about the event or a previous event or whatever it is. So reminisce with us, try to table race with us, picking an event out or something that happened at an event that comes to your mind that you can share with us. And it would have to be, I got, I got a lot. Um, but 
the most recent I would have to say would be um, Kona this last um, October. Just one being there and experiencing experiencing it, and two, I had to go. I had to get over a few obstacles that race, so. I got out of the water. It took me forever to swim. I don't know what happened. I think because I started so late because our group was so big and the line to get into the water took forever. But I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just slow. So I get out of the water. You know, I'm making it through transition. I think I said, what's up to you and and Dave Downey. And I I run that long old transition, get to my bike, and my front tire is flat. So I'm like... Oh my, it's really like, this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to start the day. So they're tubeless tires too. So I have no idea how that happened. There's goop everywhere, all out of it. And I'm like, holy crap. So I'm like, oh, they have mechanics here. This to get, yeah, I'll be able to get it done way faster than me. So I go over, hit him up. He's like, you have a tube? I'm like, yeah, here's my tube. He starts working on it. And that poor guy is just sweating his, you know what off. Cause it's so hot on that pier and he's right in the sun and, It takes about 20 minutes for me to get my tire changed. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to miss cutoff on the swim because I didn't get out of transition. I don't know if that's how it works. You know, if you spend too long in transition, you'll get DQ'd. But whatever. I got out, got on the bike, cruising out. There's nobody on the course. I'm like, holy crap, where is everybody? Like, (laughs) everybody's long gone. So I had this course all to myself. I'm like, this is great. And then um, I start catching a few people, having a good time, make the turn at Javi. I'm coming back down Javi, and I have no idea what happened to this day. I just remember being in my arrow bars, and I think I was reaching for my bottle in my top um, holder, and my front wheel starts to wobble. And next thing you know, I'm going straight for a guard rail, and I just lay the bike down. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? I just crashed. So I just remember some lady came up. I heard some lady scream as I was going down. I'm like, oh, no, this isn't going to be good. So she comes over. She's pouring water on the top of my head. Just like, you okay? You okay? There was like a sag wagon that was like right behind me. I think they saw the crash and they came out. So I have six or seven people around me and I'm thinking, there's no way my day is ending. And they're trying to pick my bike up, going, come on, hop in the hop in the wagon, we'll get you back. And I'm looking at these guys like, you guys are nuts if you think I am done right now. Like you're crazy. My I had road rash everywhere, my shorts were ripped, blood's coming out. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not quitting. And they start asking me questions like, where are you? <laughs> what are you doing type deal? And I looked at him and I go, I'm going to go have Mike Riley tell me I'm a freaking Iron Man. So give me my bike and get out of my way. And they're like, <laughs> all right, he's good. So I get on my bike. I'm riding. We're coming up to a hill. So I'm going to go down on my small chain ring. It doesn't go. My derailleur's bent. Of course. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you have to be kidding me. So I'm bleeding everywhere. and going up hills and gears I shouldn't be in, just struggling. And then I pull over and hit, like, there was a medic there, and I had blood all over myself. So I'm like, can you clean me up? And he's like, can you help me clean me up? He's like, yeah, sure. And he's going through his box of stuff, and he has nothing to clean me up with except, like, Clorox wipes. So I get a couple Clorox wipes, 
rub them all over my road rash, stinging like you know what. Yeah. And calling names and whatnot, and then get back on my bike, and then I find a mechanic. He helps me get my derailleur fixed so I can finally go back into my small chain ring and finish the finish the bike, finish the run, and cross that finish line. So that would that would definitely be my story, just having to overcome those two things during that tough day out there. Uh, well, I've the- heard a lot of stories of people struggling through that race, but years, everybody out there that has told their story is probably now going, what am I bitching about? My gosh, right. <laughs> what Bob went through. Right. You know, the, the vision I have on that too, of you telling all those people that were helping you out on the road that you wanted to finish. I can just imagine your six foot six frame standing up and go, I'm going on. Hey, you're not all- gonna stop me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are going, okay, dude, you can, you can go now. We, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna oh, mess with you. Yeah. Hopefully the four or five people on that sag wagon got out for worse reasons than that. I didn't want to make them feel bad by <laughs> showing them up. Like, no, you're not taking me. There's no way I'm not finishing Kona. No way. That's just not in the cards. Uh, I love that. I love yeah. that. Bob, a lot of age groupers out there like you have, you know, they're balancing family, life, work. They've gone through some tough times in their lives. But what what advice would you give to your fellow age group men and women out there that uh, could be going through a tough time? What kind of advice do you have? Man, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you just, you have to find it. There's, there's always something there. And um, keep plugging away. Don't let it get you down. You know, the ton of cliche stuff, but they're cliches for a reason because, some of them are so true. So you just got to trust that process, right? And stay on course and stay uh, committed and disciplined and get out and get your workouts in every day, whether you want to or not, because if it gets taken away from you, you would do anything to be able to get up and go do any of those exercises. Um, and that's, that's like I told you, that's how I get on my funk when I get in my funk, like, dude, could be way worse could be way way worse so shut up and could be in a sissy and go and that's great, it great words of wisdom there mr bob gets them <laughs> well you. young man it, it is always my pleasure to be around you uh I'm, I'm glad we met years ago at the ironman races and and i was able to be there with you at the finish line uh you're an inspiration and i hope you know that thank you thank you lots of people so, tell me not by choice but yeah. Well, say, say hello to the family for you, for me. And, and, uh, I can't wait to see you somewhere, you know, we'll pop into yeah, for sure. each other somewhere and good luck with your training with Coeur d'Alene and don't let those BCC guys beat you up out there. Okay. <laughs> no shot. No shot. <laughs> and don't <laughs> let, don't let them draft off you out there. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Especially that Eddie guy, you know, you got to watch out for him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right Thanks on. again, Bob. And thank you everybody for tuning in to another edition of find your finish line make sure you check out pillar performance triple magnesium put in my code on the feed.com m-i-k-e-23 help you sleep better help you recover better and if you like the podcast check me out on apple Podcasts, spotify give me a review love to hear your comments on how we're doing remember everybody most of the time you're the cause of your own experience if you think about that you'll take responsibility for everything you do everything you say, and how you act. And those actions alone will help you get to your finish line. Take care, everybody. Aloha. Until the next time, take care of yourselves.